Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today is Psalm chapter 14. David writes this psalm, and this psalm is in reference to people who are in covenant relationship with God. They had the outward trappings of religion. Uh, They seem to be religious people. They're going through the motions, but secretly in their heart, they really don't believe in God. They are what some would call virtual atheists. So they have all the religiosity. They have all the outward things that religion brings. They're just going through the motions, but they really live their lives like an atheist. Now, Psalm 14 is important because in Romans chapter 13, Paul will make one of his main arguments based on part of chapter 14, verse 1. So I want to read this to you really quick, and then we'll talk about this psalm and application for us. Once again, Psalm 14, the English Standard Version. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There's none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside together. They have become corrupt. There's none who does good, not even one. They have no knowledge. All the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread do not call upon the Lord. There they are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. Who would shame the plans of the poor? But the Lord is his refuge. Oh, what that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob reign, let Israel be glad. So there's this picture of people that say in their heart that there is no God. Now, many times this verse is used by apologists, people arguing for the Christian faith, and they'll say, a fool says in his heart there is no God. And that is true. But I don't believe this is really talking about out in the open atheism. This is not talking about people like Sam Harris or Daniel Dennett um, or Richard Dawkins. This is a little bit more dangerous. These are people that appear to be followers of Christ or appear to be followers of Yahweh, of God. But really in their heart, they don't believe. They look like Christians. They look like followers of God. But at some point, they've decided there is no God and they're just going through the motions. This is very prevalent in American culture. And the reason virtual atheism is so prevalent is we've been programmed by the prevailing culture. I really believe, as as I talk to people and listen to people talk, this is one of the major spiritual maladies of the church today. Let me explain what I mean. We were taught very early in school and other places to split our world up into two different parts. What Francis Schaeffer called the upper and lower stories. Matter of fact, Schaeffer really changed how I think about these things. Schaeffer said that in America and the West in particular, People tend to think this way. I go to church for my religious experience. I climb up to the upper story on Sunday and have this time with God. Then I climb down the stairs again back on Monday to the real world. And when I live my life in the real world, whether it's in business or or the public sector of any kind, I live my life in what's called the secular world, the real world. And we behave in that world as if there is no God. We act like God is not there. And that's really a dangerous way to live because what the Bible calls us to live is to live in truth. You see, the truth is this is God's world. 
you know, every thing that we learn, whether it's politics, mathematics, history, science, it's all God's. It's his truth. And the best way to understand that is through the truth of God, through the lens of God created all of this. What ends up happening? I've had some students when I taught school, I taught science for a long time and I had kids ask me, hey, um, why do so many smart people believe that there is no God? I mean, why do they believe that evolution is the only answer uh, for the complexity of life that we see here on Earth? And I always told them, well, if you begin with a false assumption, even brilliant people can come up with some really bad ideas. If you start with the assumption there is no God and try to come up with answers to how everything got here on this planet, even very brilliant people can come up with some foolish assumptions. So what David calls us here to, and what scripture calls us to throughout the Bible, is a fully integrated life. There's no upper story and lower story. It's all God's story. Every part of this planet is God's. And so to truly live in this world and to live wisely, and the Bible teaches us, this is really important. The Bible teaches that God created this world in his wisdom. He, he did it with wisdom. He wove the universe in his wisdom. And when you want to live a life that's in tune with God, that flourishes, that's as you are called to live, as you tap into that wisdom of God, it really makes sense. If God wove this universe together with wisdom, then if we live by that wisdom, we'll live in harmony with this world and with one another. We reject the wisdom of God. We live out of harmony with this world. And what does that look like? Well, when you live out of harmony with God, you become corrupt. You become a, an abomination. There's another part of this passage that, that kind of comes through that other theologians have noticed it's called the remnant theory, and some have taken this and it's become a heresy, but basically the Bible's always had a faithful core group of people. Even in Israel, Israel became corrupt. There's always a faithful core group of people, and in every church, I don't want to sound you know judgmental or condescending. In America today, if you say anything challenging, uh, people accuse you to be uh, judgmental or narrow-minded, but even within the church, and you know this from experience, everyone does, within the church, there's a core group of people that are very faithful to the message of Jesus Christ, kind of a remnant, even within the local church, that are really devoted to the cause of Christ. From this passage, you have these people that are living as virtual atheists, and they have exploited others, and there's this corruption. But God is still on the throne. He tells us in verse 2, God is looking down. And he's looking for the righteous. And so there's this group of people that are exploiting others, but then there's this faithful, righteous remnant too. Um, there's a generation of the righteous. So there are people that are devoted to God and they are looking to God for salvation. Then we're reminded of the gospel in verse seven, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. It literally did come out of Zion. Salvation for Israel on the day of Pentecost, came from Zion. When the first gospel sermon was preached by Peter in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, specifically chapter 2, you have the gospel being proclaimed from Zion, and from there salvation goes out to the world. And so we have uh, this precious gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, and we should rejoice for that. So today the biggest application for us to take away is let's don't live our lives as virtual atheists. Ask yourself the question, are you fully integrating Christ into every aspect of your life? Do you depend on him for everything?
Or do you walk through the week, six days a week, basically relying on yourself, looking at the world through the lens of an atheist, basically? And that's really a tough question for Americans, because I think we all, to some extent, do that because it's part of our culture. I heard one theologian say, do you believe in the gospel of Thomas Jefferson or the gospel of Jesus Christ? And his point is this idea of, of having a deistic view of the world, that God is way up in heaven and we're down here kind of working things out on our own. But a robust Christian worldview would say God is fully active in his creation, fully active in our lives. And you should be living your life in such devotion to Jesus Christ in such an extreme devotion that only through his power can you exist. Can you continue to do what you're doing? That you have so much faith that you're launching yourself out there to where you know it's the Holy Spirit active in your life. So let's challenge that idea of the one that says that there is no God in their heart. Let's don't live like that. Let's live knowing that there is one true and living God who's present with us through the Holy Spirit at all times and all places. I'm going to read to you one more time, Psalm 14, as we close out. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There's none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There's none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge? All the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread do not call upon the Lord. There they are in great terror, for the Lord is with the generation of the righteous. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. And let us be glad today because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I hope you have a wonderful day, and I hope to see you back again tomorrow as we continue our series of podcasts.